This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 91st edition of my radio show on Rainier Avenue, radio.world. My show is known as Sports and Stuff since the show's inception in 2017. Been doing a little rebranding lately. The show is now called Sports Untold. And I have a special guest in the 91st edition of Sports Untold. I have the pleasure of being joined by Seattle KJR talk show host and producer Kevin Shockey. Kevin, thank you for coming on uh, Sports Untold. No problem, Paul. Happy to be here. Number 91, nice work. That's that's a good number. We're nine away from a big round number. That's awesome. There you go. Well, still have still learning a lot, having fun doing it. Um, Kevin, I want to give a little biography of you. And I, I one time bungled one guest's uh, biographical background a couple years ago. So I, I, I hope I will not bungle your uh, biography at all. But I know that Kevin is currently... Uh, working with Ian Furness on the Furness Show. I, you are a sidekick on the Furness Show. Kevin has been a producer at KGR for many years, and he was uh, assistant program director at one time. Kevin's been at uh, Seattle's KGR now since, what, about 2006 or so? Yeah, I started as an intern way back in 2005 uh, and been there ever since in, in one form or another. Yeah, I know you've had a great run, and you one time were a sidekick for Softy Show, and you, you're kind of a multi-purpose guy at KGRM 950, right? Yeah, you could you could say that. I mean, I I I started out as an intern, have been kind of a producer in some form. I've produced basically everybody's show that you've heard on KJR at one point or another. Started as a full-time producer with Softy back in 2006, um, and did some work with Garage and Gas, and with Gas. And then Elise and Ian and back with Safi for a little bit, did some stints on the morning show. Uh, so I've, I've kind of had a chance to have my hands in uh, on every show at some point. No doubt about it. Well, Kevin, I had the pleasure and privilege of being on your show with Ian earlier this week, and you asked me a question or two. And I was, I was asked some questions about that U.S. Supreme Court case that came down where the court ruled essentially the NC2A can no longer limit a student athlete's educational related benefits and the Brett Kavanaugh concurring opinion is getting a lot of attention where he essentially suggests that all restrictions on benefits for student athletes could violate federal antitrust law. Kevin, I didn't really get your opinion uh, when you asked me some, some questions and you, you and Ian both asked really good questions, but where do you stand on that? Where do you stand on the idea of the NCAA potentially paying student athletes? Well, I, I guess the the struggle for me, if well, there are a couple of different angles. I'll say the struggle for me is the actual value of college tuition might not match the cost. Um, and if these schools are all of a sudden going to have to pay them the equivalent of what the actual tuition would cost, then you're going to lose a they're just they're, you're going to lose a ton of sports that are not going to be able to make it through because the other side is that if you pay one student athlete, you have to pay all student athletes. And that's, you know, because of Title IX and all those other things. And there's just no way for it to last. And with football specifically supporting the rest of the entire sports or, excuse me, athletic department, then if the, it's just thing, it, the, the dominoes become significant and i don't know if college sports will continue the way it has the way so many people love them if they do make that sort of change so what we what we had said on the air and what i've 
thought all along is if student athletes are mad that they're not able to take advantage of the value that they have, the value that they feel they might bring to a university or the value they might bring to a potential sponsor, allow them to do whatever they want with that sort of thing. Because if person A owns this, you know, trinket company and they see value in paying student athlete B a certain amount of money to promote their trinkets, then who loses in that equation? Nobody. And these student athletes in the other sports, they can't be mad because the school's not paying them. This is a student athlete doing something on their own to take advantage of their own situation. That feels like this whole NIL name, image, and likeness. This avenue that we're going down is a pretty easy way for the NCAA to get out of the business of paying athletes, but giving them the opportunity to pay themselves. It, there's a lot of complications there. And actually, Kavanaugh, in his concurring opinion, I read the case before, before I went on your, your show, Ian's show, he, he alluded to that, that dealing with Title IX issues and all that could, could get complicated. But I, I think we're at a point now, Kevin, tell me if you agree with this, that the status quo NCAA practices are definitely changing, though. Would you agree with that? Oh, oh 100%. I mean, the, this is... It, Everything is going to change from here on out. It's a matter of which direction they go, and it, it just—it certainly seems like the momentum is all in that NIL direction, and that's the easiest way to kind of just allow it to happen on its own and not require schools to do something that long-term they'll never be able to continue. A lot of complications, and I, and I think I mentioned, I was on your show the other day, there's a professor named Andrew Zimbalas, a sports economist, very interesting guy, actually testified in the Sonics lease trial years ago. He, he supports the idea of completely blowing up the NCAA and starting a whole new federally chartered college sports athletic organization. So I, I don't know, Kevin, I don't know what to predict. I just think it's not going to be our grandparents and NCAA for, for another generation of people. That's just my two cents, but we'll see what happens. No, you're, you're definitely right. Think, things are changing, and it's going to look different in, I think it's going to look different in 10 years. Hey, Kevin, I think I saw that you attended Philadelphia Biblical University. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, no. So if it's a strange, Facebook is a very strange place. True. Um, but so my, my dad taught there. It's now become Karen University. Um, and I actually spent a summer singing with with his select choir in austria okay um so that's so i i sort of added it because it made it easier for me to connect with some people that we had been with out there um but i never actually attended it myself but that's where my dad taught um for parts of 26 or 25 okay cool i was just curious i saw that institution i was just just kind of curious hey kevin on this show we go ahead i actually spent two years at spu so gotcha. So my the college that I did have was out here in Seattle. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm certainly familiar with Seattle Pacific University. You know, Kevin, um, on this show we we certainly talk about sports. We like to hit on some other stuff too. And I want to ask you about Philadelphia. It's a major city that I have not spent any significant time in, but I'd I'd love to see it. If somebody has two or three days to spend touring in Philadelphia, what do you recommend they see? Well, it's if you've never been. The answer, whether you're a history fan or not, is to, I am. Take, is to take a few days and go through all the historical area. It is, it's, 
going through and standing in rooms where our <laughs> forefathers uh, made decisions that shaped the country, whether you're thrilled with what they did or you think what they did, what they stood for was wrong, is is a humbling opportunity and a humbling place to be. So I if, go see the Liberty Bell, go see the Constitutional Congress, go, go see all of that stuff, and, and you will be uh, taken back to a time 250 or so years ago that it just doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. That's that's where things happen, um, and it's, it's a it's a spectacular place to see. And I, you know, I, we went on. I don't know what kids in elementary schools do out here for field trips, but we mm-hmm. did a few of those uh, in elementary school in Pennsylvania um, into Philadelphia and the historical areas, and and it's a it's a sight to see. I'd love to spend some time in Philly one day. I guess there's an American Constitutional or Constitution Museum. Do you know anything about that one? Yeah, I mean, I admittedly it's been. Oh, it's probably been two decades since I've gone to see it all, so I don't know how much has changed. I, um, but it's, I mean, whether it's the, the Liberty Bell or seeing where they signed the Constitution or the Declaration, I, and frankly, I'm not a history major, so I don't recall everything, but it, it's, a, it's a really special place to see. And the Betsy Ross house is where, where the, uh, the Betsy Ross is the one that made the first flag of the United States, all that sort of stuff. It's, right. It, if you're a fan of history, there is no better place to be in the country uh, to see that sort of thing. And Philadelphia is once our, our U.S. capital. I th- that's a little fact that some people don't realize either. Uh-huh. Well, great stuff. This yeah. is Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports Untold, the 91st edition, with Seattle's KJR AM 950 uh, fella Kevin Shockey. Kevin is. Uh, let me back, actually let me back up for one second. Somebody told me years ago that in Philadelphia there's some restaurant where the servers get dressed up uh, in costumes like they're in colonial times and they serve the type of food that people ate in the United States like in the 1770s and 1780s. Have you ever been to that restaurant? I, I have not. I'm sure it exists. Uh, Philadelphia loves their history, but I, I can't say I'm familiar with that one. Gotcha. I was just curious. Somebody told me that one time. Is, is Philadelphia, Kevin, as tough a sports fan as the urban legend is about it? Well, yes, I would say yes. It's it's the passion and the history is it, it runs so deep, and a lot. Of, Philadelphia is a very very old city, um, and I say that in that there are a lot of generations of family that have been in Philadelphia for a very very long time. So that that love and dedication and uh, anger <laughs> often right. that goes along with being a Philadelphia sports fan is is a part of our lives for longer than we've been alive, if that makes sense. Meaning I, there's if you are a Philadelphia sports fan, then you sort of also wear that Philadelphia sports fandom from 30, 40, 50, 60 years before you because that's just kind of the way that it goes. And you hear stories about, you know, your grandfather who watched Harold Carmichael back in the day for the <laughs> Eagles or Ron Joe. I mean, the, it just, it's just so deeply rooted that I think the, the level of dedication to it might be a little deeper than in some other cities. Um, and with four teams that had, had gone when I grew up a long time without winning, we went from 1983 to 2008 uh, without any sort of uh, championship in the four major sports, 
that's my math says 25 years and four teams over 100 seasons without a championship was a long time. So the kind of pent-up anger that goes, that grows, I should say, over those years um, sort of becomes even bigger than it is, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, I think the teams are held to a really high standard, and when when they do poorly, the passion at the games, on the radio, in the newspaper, the columnists can be pretty tough. Um, not that they aren't here in Seattle, but I think there's more of an appetite for them to be a little bit um, angrier in the media there, and that kind of is where that reputation comes from, I would say. Interesting insights, Kevin. Now, my understanding of Philadelphia, and this is this is kind of, um, you know, maybe not a literal thing, but there are people in Philadelphia that really like to show their city can hold its own with D.C., New York, Boston. That probably comes out in sports a little bit with Philadelphia. Hey, we're going to hold our own going against the New Yorkers or the Bostonians or the, the, the D.C. crowd. Is that part of the dynamic of Philly sports, too? Um, I, I guess there's, there, I think it's probably fair to say there's a little bit of a little brother syndrome when it comes to New York. Right. Um, New York is obviously the biggest country, excuse me, the biggest city in the country. And Philadelphia is, you know, depending on traffic and all that sort of stuff, an hour and a half away, um, but still has a very clear identity separate from New York, but will never get the attention that New York would get. Right. Um, you know, from whatever media and that sort of thing. And I think there's a little bit of kind of angst that goes along with that. So yeah, I would say that's fair. Sure. Sure. Kevin, uh, how did you get this, the bug to go into sports media? Tell us about that a little bit. Well, um, growing up in Philadelphia, my dad always listened to WIP, which is one of the first, I want to say three sports radio stations in the country. Um, and he always listened to it. So I kind of started listening to it really early on with him and always was a diehard sports fan, so it just kind of made sense that I would listen as well, and was thoroughly entertained and always enjoyed it. So when I moved out to Seattle, I found the, the sports radio station out here, which was KJR back then. It was the only one in town, and started listening as soon as, as, soon as we got out here when I was 16 years old. Um, always thought, boy, it would be fun to work in sports radio, Never really thought it was a realistic possibility. Uh, then the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college at SPU, um, kind of on a on a whim, I went to the Graza Gasathon, which was at Pier, Anthony's on Pier 66, right. and was for many many years. They raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for uh, Northwest Literacy and a few other charities, and just as a listener. Um, but a fan and, and for, you know, three years had been listening to KJR, uh, decided to go and, and kind of see what it was all about. And while I was here, I'm kind of a guy that likes talking to people. So I ended up talking to a few guys that I had heard of and listened to on the radio, whether it was Ryan Lambert or Mike Gastineau or Rich Moore, who was the program director back then and still is, and said, hey, if I ever wanted to work in sports radio, um, how would I do it? And they said, well, you should probably get an internship. And I said, okay, that sounds cool. I'm in college right now. How do I do that? And ultimately, never looked back from there. So I, my first year in college was in music. And 
then that second year, as I started an internship here at KJR, I started to uh, move over and take some communications classes. And for that next calendar, well, if not calendar, academic year, I just got my hands on everything I could do at KJR. So I did, um, I was an intern for a while. I worked part-time on weekends. I ran the board for the Tacoma Rainiers games. I was the producer and um, technical director for the Sonics halftime and post-game shows. Um, and that next summer, Softy's producer went into banking. And I raised my hand and said, well, I know the show really well. How about I do it? And a few months later, I was hired to do it full time and haven't really looked back since. You had a great run, Kevin. I think it's fun for the listeners to learn more about you, Kevin, because we hear you're on the radio a lot. But a lot of times we hear people on the radio, we don't really know a lot about them. So it's fun to learn more about you and your your the path you've had in, in sports radio. Paul Schneiderman, again, the host of Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio with Kevin Shockey. Okay, Kevin, this is a question I ask all the time, and I, I love the answers I get. Um, Dave Grosby answered Floyd Merriweather. I'll just give you a couple answers I got. Dave Sims answered Sandy Koufax. I had the famous lawyer on Alan Dershowitz. He answered Koufax. Uh, Softy and Dick Fain answered Tiger Woods. Furness answered Russell Wilson. I'll just throw out some more names. Greg Lewis answered LeBron James. Percy Allen answered Mike Tyson. Steve Rabel answered Bill Russell. Nick Saban's name came up. Um, who's a living sports figure that you'd love to interview and have an extended conversation with uh, that you have not had the opportunity to do so at this point in your career? Oh, boy. Well... Puckett answer, Michael Jordan. I could throw out a lot of names. <laughs> so. Yeah. I. That's interesting. I, I mean, I'm always looking for what I think is going to be interesting radio. Uh, personally, I would love to be able to sit down and have an honest conversation with Allen Iverson. He's my, my favorite basketball player of all time, one of my favorite athletes of all time. Um, Great and, name. Had, had his name come up yet. Great name. Yeah, he, he has an incredible history um, and is one of the most influential people, I believe, in NBA history. Now, he's not, he's not Michael Jordan and doesn't have the championships in the, and the Michael Jordan line of shoes. Uh, he's not LeBron James' most dominant and just just gigantic or, or Shaq, but I believe that his kind of influence on culture is is still felt today, mm-hmm. and he pushed back on everything. And he also, in my mind, was one of the toughest athletes to ever play, I would say, any sport, but certainly basketball. Very tough player, um, yeah. And, and so I, I would... I'd, I'd probably say Allen Iverson. Probably say Allen Iverson. Love it. Love it. And it could be, it doesn't have to be an athlete. It could be a coach or a general manager or an owner. Any 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 coach, general manager, owner you'd love to chat with? It, it's funny. So many interviews now are, you know, with someone who's on a cell phone and you get them for 10 minutes and you're kind of in and out and you don't really get a whole lot. I, I have said I, I love baseball like probably nobody else at the radio station other than Chuck Powell, the morning show host, but I find baseball player interviews to be terribly boring. <laughs> Could see a that. lot of athlete interviews are incredibly boring now. And that rare one that's interesting is nice, but oftentimes the number of boring ones they have to get through to get to a good one is not really worth it. So I love talking to guys that used to play. And I'll say this, 
Eric O'Flaherty is a uh, a former reliever in Major League Baseball, and he now because he doesn't care about how things go and does isn't worried about kind of being misinterpreted or things like that is a fascinating interview and provides honest opinion when you ask him questions. And that's something you don't get from a lot of current athletes. So it would be hard. I'd be hard pressed to find a current athlete that I was really interested in interviewing because I just don't know how many good, honest answers you get. from them. I hear what you're saying. Now here's an answer. I got to that question. Rick Turner, who was at your station one time, a local basketball coach, he answered Oscar Pistorius. Rick thinks that, South African runner who got in legal trouble would be the most interesting person to chat with. I thought Rick gave an interesting answer. Don't you think so? Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've seen a little bit of that story here and there and it's been, it's, it's a wild one. So that's, yeah, that's the, the caveat of if I can get them where they're comfortable and they're interested in answering questions, uh, boy, yeah, that would be a, that would be a really interesting one. No doubt about it. And who's a deceased sports figure in history, Kevin, you would have loved to have interviewed or had an extended conversation with could be a player, general manager, owner, Whatever, whoever. Well, no one wants to listen to someone think for a few minutes on the radio. So I won't, I, I'm trying to think of something that would be. Oh, I can boy. give you some um, names. Does that help? Let me throw out some names I received. You know, no, that's, let's, let's just go crazy. Let's just say Babe Ruth. I, I, he is, he's. He also led a very interesting life. Right. Um, and I think it'd be interesting to talk to him about the way that baseball has changed. Um, and, yeah, I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll give you Babe Ruth. How about that? His name's come up. Great answer. I had a Babe Ruth biography on my show, Jane Levy, a very interesting woman uh, a couple years ago. So uh, that, that's a good one. Uh, Kevin, you have worked now with Softy and Ian on their shows that would, would it be fair to describe you as a sidekick on those shows? I don't want to mischaracterize your, your role. Is that, is that the, what's the accurate description of your, of your uh, participation in those shows? I mean, I, I don't take offense to any sort of titles. I mean, I'm a producer. So, but a, a, a producer's job is to be interested in what's happening on the radio to help figure out what's going to be the most interesting thing to talk about. And I'll say this another job of the producer is to be an interested listener and quick to laugh. Um, I, I like it. So I like it. I So I would say, sure, I you want to call it a sidekick? Sure, that's fine. Okay, well, producer, sidekick. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to make sure, I want to make sure I characterize her on, the, on those uh, shows properly. So I want to ask you something. I, I know Dave Mahler and Ian. I mean, we, we don't know, I don't know those guys extremely well, but I, I know those guys. I, 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 I'm friendly with both of them. Um, can you tell us what it's like working with Ian and Softy? Nothing. Don't worry. I don't have to get too personal. But tell us about what you think their biggest talents are that Furness and Mahler have, and maybe just give a little behind the scenes um, stuff to listeners about working with Ian and uh, Dave Mahler for all these years. Well, uh, let's see. I'll go with who do you want to hear about first? You pick, Kevin. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so I started with Softy, um, and I will say one of the Softy is one of the hardest working people that I've ever met, and he cares about what he does more than anyone else. And when you work with someone that cares as much as he does and works as hard as he does, it's hard not to be right there with. Him. Uh, he he is obnoxiously meticulous about details. Mm-hmm. And one tiny mistake 
just pisses him off. But he also is one of the most caring people that I've ever worked with. And, you know, when I started working as a producer for him, I was 20 years old when I started full-time with him. He's a great entertainer, too, isn't he, Dave Muller? Sure. I mean, he, he's, he's funny. His, all of that's one thing. He also has a shocking amount of energy, it, and he doesn't know how to turn it off. So the, I, I like to say this. He was Dave Muller for a long time. He is truly softy. And what he is on the air as softy, it's not a whole lot different off the air because he is just a mile a minute and energy all the time and always thinking about what he should do next, um, either on the radio or off. No, I have so little time with softy off the air. You're right. He's always thinking, has so much energy. And tell us about Ian, a little bit about working with Furness for all these years. It's been, it's been fun. He and Safi are very different. Um, Ian is just utterly professional and likes to have a reasoned take on things as often as possible, but he also likes when he gets the opportunity to turn it on a little bit and uh, surprise people with a stronger opinion than they might expect from him. Um, he is Ian is as respected of a media professional as I think we have in Seattle. Um, and his background as like a journalist and the way that he kind of came up working in TV and his dad was working at Como for years and years and years. He has a different view on things. And I, I say journalist because there is a different, we aren't, sports radio is not journalism. And I think that's something that confuses people sometimes. We're not journalists. We're entertainers. We want people to be entertained by what we're doing. We want to talk about what they want to talk about and be kind of always on that pulse of, like, what does someone who is a sports fan in Seattle want to talk about today? And that's what we want to do. Um, if we were journalists, then we would spend months and months doing investigations and talking about things that are hard to listen to and all that sort of stuff. But that's not what we do. Um, but Ian is as close to that as anyone because he has a journalism background. I like the breakdowns on both those guys. And you're right. Both of them are different. They, 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 the crosstalk segment's always fun. But when Ian's going off the air and Softy comes on, they do like a 10-minute back and forth. I find that a lot of fun. But one, one thing these guys do have in common, and Kevin, tell me if you agree with that, both Furness and Mahler, they're not snobby guys. They're not walking around with their noses up in the air when they interact with their people. That, that, that's a fair point, isn't it? Oh, no, because, I mean, look, they're both, they're, they're both here because they're Seattle sports fans, and that's what they've been their whole life. Um, so, no, I, that cert, snobby certainly would never be a word that comes to mind when I describe either. Well, fun, fun to hear a little, your, some of your insights about those uh, aforementioned gentlemen. Okay, Kevin, there was a, you probably heard the name, there was a guy in Seattle for many years named Wayne Cody. Wayne was at, at Cairo, and he had a sports line show on the old Cairo show. He was a, a TV broadcaster. Does that, does that name ring a bell, Wayne, Wayne Cody? Yeah, no, I'm familiar. Yeah, he died about 2002. Very heavy set guy. And I remember he once had this watch Wayne disappear thing when he was trying to lose weight. But he was he was a very well-known guy around town in the 70s and 80s. 
And I'm not saying Wayne knew nothing about sports, but he was certainly not the most knowledgeable sports fan out there. So I, so I want to kind of give a Wayne Cody background here. But with Wayne Cody in mind, Kevin, how knowledgeable in sports do you think a daily sports radio host needs to be these days? Can, can you get away with being a daily sports radio host and being a pretty casual fan? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, the short answer is no, because everyone has access to so much more information now than they did 25, 30, 40 years ago. Right. Um, but I would also say it's more knowledge is not as important as, as a lot of other things involved in the business. Um, if you don't know anything about sports, you're going to get found out pretty quickly and people are going to just decide that you're an idiot (laughs) and not care what you have to say. Sure. That's obviously something, but. I think a common misconception is, oh, I know a lot about sports. I should be a sports radio host. And I think that has shocked a lot of people who have, you know, we don't have interns anymore, but I've had interns in the past who think that knowledge of sports is the number one prerequisite for being a good sports radio host. And it is probably fourth or fifth on the list. What an interesting answer. What an interesting answer. answer your question? (laughs) No, it's a great answer. And I'm doing this show, you know, a couple times a month and I'm not claiming to be a sports expert. I'm kind of more interested in sort of the, the off the courts aspect of sports as I get older, but you're, you're, you're very interesting that maybe four or five having, uh, you have to have some knowledge base in sports, but may not be the number one thing. And I, 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 I liked your answer. Hey, by the way, speaking of sports knowledge, I just renewed my print edition during the pandemic to Sports Illustrated. I let it lapse, and I would, would read stuff online or read it at this club I go to, but I just started getting the print edition of Sports Illustrated again. It's down to once a month. Is Sports Illustrated, Kevin, still mandatory reading for the American sports fan and American sports professional? Or am I thinking way, way back in the 80s too much? <laughs> no, it's not. I there, it's it's absolutely not, um, and that there are still great things written at Sports Illustrated, but it's not mandatory reading anymore. Um, the occasional, and so I, I would, I certainly, there are great people at Sports Illustrated, and there is still great writing at Sports Illustrated, um, but there are so many outlets now that are doing good work. I don't even think it's smart to say that any one outlet is required reading anymore because that's not how things are anymore when there are hundreds and hundreds of options of where you can read about sports interesting to hear the perspective from a sports producer and a sports talk show host kevin i i been getting my sports illustrated again i'm feeling like i'm uh getting more knowledge but your point is there's many outlets out there though right yeah, there there are there are so many outlets and so many options for where you can read um, great sports writing and get more informed on it. That I I think to say that any one outlet is required or you know absolutely necessary is kind of foolhardy. Gotcha. Well, hope to get a few more questions in, Kevin. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Paul Schneiderman, 
host of Sports Untold on Rainier Ivy Radio with Kevin Shockey having a, lo- a fun discussion. Hey, Kevin, what is the strangest and most unexpected show segment or interview that you've seen in all your KGR years? Strangest or most unexpected? We can combine them. <laughs> well, um... <laughs> That's interesting. We, boy, listening to someone stumble over answers is not great. Um, I will say, most, boy, I'm I'm drawing more of a blank here than I would like to admit. It's okay. It's okay. I was, I, you know, I I didn't I didn't come to you with prepared questions before this interview, so don't be so no. hard on yourself. I was just kind of wondering if you had if there was a KJR experience that you've been part of that. Uh, that really stands out. You look back, oh, God, that was that was just kind of crazy. Or, wow, I'd never forget that one. I, I will never forget when Jim Mora appeared with Softy and Hugh Millen on the radio um, and talked about, as he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, preparing for a playoff game, I believe, and talked about how much he would love to be the head coach of the Washington Huskies. Um, it, it's, it is still one of the most wait a second, did he just say that moment that I've ever been a part of? Um, and it showed us how much Jim Mora, and this is the younger Jim Mora, um, just loves Washington, the University of Washington, and he was. it was one of the most honest answers, but most shocking answers, I would say, ever. And it became a huge topic across the country. And this was before the advent of social media, and I, I would say Facebook was around, Twitter was not around, and Facebook was nothing like it is now. Um, and it still became a major topic um, nationwide. And that was a great I'll, answer. I'll that was unexpected. Never forget that. I don't think Jim Moore will ever end up being the UW football coach, which is kind of a twist in I, that as well. And so. I don't think he actually wants it anymore. I think that's, I think at this point, with the way things have gone, I and I don't know. Look, I am I am absolutely not speaking from knowledge here, um, but I I suspect the way that things have gone and the amount of pressure that would be there and the pressure of coming back and and being in that position. I my guess is that he wouldn't even want to be that right now. Yeah, that you gave a great answer to my question. It, it, it that was a, that's a great answer to the Mora thing. Kevin, the Mariners are three games over 500. Uh, I know you're a big baseball fan. They're about seven out of first place as we speak. Four and a half, I think, out of the wild, final wild card spot. Should they be sellers or buyers? The trade deadline. How does Shockey come out of what the Mariners should do on or before July 31st? Oh, well, it's it's hard. One of the things that I've been saying, and I don't know how we feel about bad language on here, um, so I won't use it. But I I have said they are without a doubt the best, we'll say crappy team I've ever seen in baseball. Um, Hmm. They are just defying all of the odds with the way that they continue to win. And being three games over 500 right now is just, it's just shocking. So I don't know how that can possibly continue. So, when you look at what they actually have on their roster, whether you're looking at their lineup or you're looking at their starting rotation, whatever it is, I don't know how they can possibly keep this up. But 
if they do, and at the trade deadline, they are still a little above 500, I think almost as a gesture of goodwill to the fans that have watched a lot of terrible baseball, I don't know that they can be heavy sellers. Even if long-term, that would be the best thing for the organization as far as bringing in more talent that can help in the future, a mass sell-off while the team is still competitive would be a terrible look. Kevin, here's a follow-up to that question. Even if we could get two or three really good prospects for, say, Hanniger. It's, I mean, the, <laughs> it's hard. I think it probably makes the most sense to do that. And long-term, it might be best for the health of the organization. But I don't know that selling a good player and we're, you know, we're calling it selling. I don't know that selling a good player when you are still in relative contention is going to go over well with fans who have invested 20 years now without any sort of payoff of a chance at the playoffs. So if I were the general manager and I never had to listen to anyone talk about my team, <laughs> I would probably, I would probably sell and I would probably trade to get some guys that could help me even more in the future, but I don't know how you can sell that to the fans that have watched garbage baseball for two decades. Well, Kevin, maybe I'll call or text you in a few weeks and see what happens to trade Devlin. Well, Kevin, let me get one more question in, and I want to also know what's in the future for Kevin Shockey, so please answer that question before we go. But the other question I want to get in is, the Kraken are going to be having an affiliation now with your station, Sports Radio AM 950, the NHL franchise that will start play this fall. Can you share with us if there's going to be any like hockey-only shows coming up at KJR? Are there going to be a lot more hockey updates during the day? Why don't you kind of tell us a little, a little about what you anticipate will, will occur with the KJR Kraken affiliation? And again, tell us what's in uh, Kevin Shockey's future as well. Well, I, we are not bringing the Kraken onto our radio station to ignore them. You can be sure of that. <laughs> We're already hearing Everett Fitzhugh on once a week uh, on the Softy Show. You're already hearing Ryan Clark once a week with Ian, who covers the Kraken for The Athletic. Um, We're doing daily updates on all things NHL every day with Ian. I would anticipate that you will hear regular interviews with maybe the head coach, Maybe the general manager, you're going to hear some of the talent that are calling games on the air frequently. Look, we are all in on the Kraken and could not be more excited to be partnering with them. So exactly how it's going to look, we don't even know for sure right now because it's all – we don't even know who we're talking about because there's one player on the roster, and that's Luke Hedman, who probably won't play for the Kraken for another two or three years and no coaches. So we have no idea who we're talking about. So it's impossible to say what we will do exactly, but I can promise you that 950KJR will be the home for all things Kraken, and Kraken fans will want to not miss a moment with us. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. And what is in the future for Kevin Shockey? Well, we'll end on that note. And thank you for spending a, a little extra time, Kevin, with me. I've been having so much fun. It's gone a little over. I'm ha- happy to do it. What's in the future for me? Well, uh, kid number one is on the way. Uh, and that's uh, 
that's what I'm focused on most right now. We're going to have a little boy here in, uh, in July and uh, couldn't be more excited about that. Professionally, I, I love working here at KJR, and I'll be here as long as they uh, keep letting my key card work and my login work. Kevin, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, good luck with your soon-to-be child, and you and I will definitely be in touch. Sounds good, Paul. Have a great day. You take care. Thank you.